is the 1A Record Club. The 1A Record Club. This is 1A. 1A. 1A Record Club. Welcome to the 1A Record Club. R&B is dead as of right now. The R&B that I, that 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 I made my babies too. That R, I mean R&B got to be judged to a certain thing. It's a feeling, no doggy. It's a feeling. Okay, a, but look, but no, why? No, no, it's a feeling. You're That's right. You gotta be able to sing. You gotta be able to sing for R&B. Then you gotta tell the truth. R&B is not a hustle. You know what I'm saying? It's about feeling your vulnerability. That's longtime rapper, singer, and producer Sean Diddy Combs. He made headlines earlier this year during that emotionally charged Instagram Live with the artist Timbaland. It's a little hard to make out, but he says, quote, R&B is dead. And that controversial take kicked off a fiery debate on social media that had both artists and fans weighing in. Some skeptics even weighed in, saying his comments were just a PR stunt ahead of his new album release. Now, the debate around the state of R&B isn't new. The genre has struggled with mislabeling and how to separate itself from hip-hop and pop. But artists like Jasmine Sullivan, Summer Walker, and Brent Fayez are keeping R&B alive. And one of its biggest stars is Ari Lennox. That's from R&B singer Ari Lennox's latest album. It's called Age, Sex, Location. We'll dive into it and discuss the state of R&B for this edition of the 1A Record Club. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Connect with us on Twitter. Find us at 1A. Let's jump into the conversation. Joining me is Stephen Thompson. He's a host and reviewer at NPR Music. Stephen, it's great to have you. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. And also with us, Naima Cochran. She's a culture writer, and her work has been featured in Essence, Vox, and Billboard. She's also a founding member of Black Music Action Coalition. Naima, welcome back. Nice to be here again. I want to start by giving a quick introduction to Ari Lennox for people who might not know her. She's a 31-year-old D.C. native. She's signed to rapper J. Cole's label Dreamville, and her debut album came out in 2019. Naima, how would you describe Ari Lennox's sound? Ari, um, like actually quite a few of the current um, R&B artists, has kind of um, a mix of late 90s, early 2000s. So a little bit of the hip-hop soul that we had after the New Jack Swing era, so think Mary J, think SWB, et cetera, with the content. Um, but the vibe, the musicality, um, the actual songs feel a little like Erica, Jill, that early neo-soul um, movement. So it's very groovy, but it's also very contemporary and modern in terms of the lyrics. Well, let's listen to a clip of one, her bi- of, one of her biggest hits. This is Shea Butter Baby from her debut album of the same name. How would you describe her appeal? 
Well, I think I think Naima touched on it really well. It's that mixture of kind of familiar sounds, the sounds that so many of us grew up with, whether we grew up with <laughs> with New Jack Swing or, uh, you know, the sounds of the early aughts. Um, or obviously going further back, you know, I think she, she manages to tap into a lot of familiar sounds while, as Naima said, sounding very current. She sings about modern life. She sings about dating apps. She sings, you know, in this way that feels very 2022, even as the sounds are kind of soothing you with something that feels familiar without seeming like it's repeating itself. Mm. Naima, what about her voice and how she uses it? Because it's very, it's very textured and she gets really playful with her vocals. She does. Um, I, I hate doing comparisons because I feel like it's limiting, but I can't help but compare it to Erica Badu. Um, the first time that I heard Ari Live at the Roots Picnic several years ago, I was walking through and I was like, is that Erica? And I was like, mm. oh, that's Ari, you know? And um, it's it's that same kind of, she has a kind of jazzy textured voice, like you said, but, um, and, and it's something about the way she wields it to, again, it almost sounds a little, it makes you do a double take to hear stuff like ganja or Kevin Samuels coming off of that voice, you know, <laughs> um, like very current you know, phrasing and, and words and topics, et cetera. But I, I love the way that she uses it as an instrument. I think that we have kind of missed, um, you talked in the intro about rap, I mean, um, R&B not losing its spot to hip hop and pop. There was like this period where R&B was more trying to sound like hip hop, like actually leaning into it. You had a more kind of staccato delivery, um, maybe not a true full out, singing voice, those artists kind of got stuck on urban adult airplay instead of urban mainstream airplay. And Ari is singing. She's a singer. Like, she's a live singer who actually does vocal warm-ups and things of that nature. And that was a rarity for a little while. So I'm kind of actually happy to hear somebody who um, knows how to use the full spectrum of their voice as an instrument. Well, this album, Age, Sex, Sex Location, is her second I'd love to hear what each of you think about the attention it's generated so far. Stephen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it feels like a certain amount of leveling up. I mean, Shea Butter Baby was such a huge hit. Not only did it reach like a big commercial audience, but it just really seemed to captivate critics. Um, you know, where, where she was kind of being introduced as a major voice. And now you hear this this record and she just sounds fully formed. You know, you, you just talked about how beautiful her voice is and how expressive her, her voice is, but it's also just the, the, the amount of personality that comes through in her singing and in her lyrics. You get just this really kind of 360 degree view of who she is in the way that she's singing and, the, and, and what she's singing about. You know, she has this... She, um, she has this um um she has this duet with lucky day uh, on this record and like they're they're kind of speaking to each other and you just hear so much you just hear so much force of personality in in just the sound of her voice it's it's really exciting to hear naima what about for you do you think this album has generated the buzz it deserves oh 100% um to me, as a former marketer, what I love first and foremost is that this is a beautiful artist development story. This is an outstanding EP to first LP to second LP arc. Um, you see her growth. You see it 
in her visuals, you see it in her styling, you hear it in the music. Um, and what I really love is that, you know, Pressure dropped a year ago and they gave it time. Like they actually took time to still build an album around it instead of trying to chase the single. And I think that that is so important when you want to put out like a significant body of work and it's cohesive. It's a full album, which again, until very recently is something else that people weren't quite putting as much emphasis on. Um, but I've been looking at the reviews. I've been listening to the chatter online and people definitely herald it as a solid piece of R&B. It's a solid piece of R&B work. I mean, it's a beautiful album start to finish. It's a no skips joint and it's it's not often that you get those still. Yeah, you know, when we look at Ari in the context of some of the other big contemporary R&B stars, Jasmine Sullivan, Summer Walker, Brent Fiez, how does she fit into the current R&B landscape? What do you think, Stephen? Well, I think she's I think she's part of what feels like a real movement. I mean, you just you just listed, you know, a handful of artists, but it just feels like R&B I, you know the, the whole notion that R&B was it that 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 P Diddy thing about R&B being dead is just insane. It just feels like right now every week there's some amazing new R&B record that that you know and we could just we could just list artists. I mean Jasmine Sullivan put out I thought the the best album of the year last year, one of the very very best albums of the year last year. Um you know, I think she fits within it just in terms of being you know, being one of the one of the standard bearers. And what about you, Naima, when you look at her, Ari, in the context of, of other contemporary R&B artists, where do you think she fits in? Oh, no, I agree that she's she's part of the forefront of this R&B renaissance. I'm, I'm torn between calling it a resurgence and a renaissance is one of the two. Um, and, and it's kind of been a perfect storm that's been building over the past couple of years between there being these R&B acts that were actually willing to call themselves R&B artists because that went away for a little while. People wanted to call themselves trap, soul, alt, soul, something else. So nobody wanted to actually say R&B. Um, between these acts who actually were calling themselves R&B artists who were actually kind of hearkening back to some more traditional musicality. And by traditional, I mean maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, and also... Now, the consumer market shifting back to a heavy catalog market, meaning people are looking for, like Stephen said, like those familiar sounds that they that that feel comforting and that feel like something they already know. Um, So even on this album, like her and Lucky, I consider Lucky part of this group. I consider Summer Walker part of this group. They have a style and they have a music that sounds really familiar to even those of us who are outside of their demo, possibly like myself. But still, they're bringing something fresh and new to it at the same time. And, and I'm seeing this pool widening of these acts who, who are bringing out new music and getting, getting the attention for it. Because they were there, they just weren't getting the mainstream attention. And I definitely think that Ari is at the forefront of this. We got this tweet from one of you who says, I'm 60 years old and I can't remember R&B artists singing the lyrics we hear today. What do you make of that, that the lyric, the use of lyrics has changed over time, Naima? (laughs) Um, I have to laugh at that. Okay, 61, I can give it a little bit of a pass. I mean, the 90s was when I think people first started being scandalized by R&B singers 
lyrics, right? Um, there was just a little bit more nuance in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, but yeah, no, it's not new. It, it definitely isn't new. This is, this is at least 20 years deep. I just think maybe the subject matter is unfamiliar. Um, the verbiage is unfamiliar as you get a little older. But I don't think there's, any, there's anything new about putting the lyricism of current conversation, current young adult topics, et cetera, into R&B. That, that, you know, SWV did downtown and everybody lost their minds. This is not, a, that, this part is not a new conversation. And listen, I've heard some lyrics from like the 1940s that were uh, a little, I'm just going to say they were a little wild. They were a little wild. Definitely not <laughs> playable on the radio. Let's listen to some more of Ari's album. Here's the opening track, P.O.F. Dancing for greatness is always what my mama said. Young black woman, broaching 30 with no lover in my bed. Can I settle? I got standards, NASCAR racing in my head. Independent, I dumb it down. Everything that makes me grand. The never cure to think I was. Gonna sell my house to live in yours. You out. Yeah, you really hear that that through line from Ari to Erica Badu in this song. The lyrics encapsulate a, what a lot of the album is about. It's about modern dating. It's about being a young Black woman and the insecurities that come with both of those things. Naima, what do you think of this track in particular? I actually love this track because um, the one thing that Puff did say a while ago, not currently, but back when there was a big uh, King of R&B argument um, on social media a few years ago was that there was a certain amount of vulnerability that was missing from R&B now. And part of that is because, I think, my personal opinion, um, the way we approach relationships has changed so much in part because of online dating, online interactions, social media, swiping. Like, there's a kind of transaction transaction to it. Um, there's an immediate C to it. Uh, it does not encourage investment in time. So to actually hear this point of view, you know, why do I never see you in any pictures with your hat missing? You know, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. That, but again, over such a, over such a vibey song, but a very real topic and a very current topic, I love it because th- this is the current relationship dilemma, right? This is the current version of heartbreak. This is the current version of of romantic struggle is, you know, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but why am I not seeing better fish? Hmm. You know, it's real. It's very real. Here's a message we got from Aiden in Maryland. I love Ari Lennox because I grew up in the DMV and she's from DC. And I would like to say that I feel some kind of like she can like almost seen by her because of that experience. But I think, I think she just represents being a young black woman just very well. My favorite song by her is Speak to Me though and because I think that it just it's a it 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 makes insecurity sound so good. And I think that black women are kind of having a renaissance with embracing our insecurities and embracing how funny and real we can be. Thanks for that message, Aiden. Age Sex Location has a, a number of features by other R&B artists. Stephen, you mentioned that song Boy Bye with Lucky Day. There's a song with Summer Walker, another with Chloe Bailey. What did you think of the collaborations on the album? Well, I think they're great. I mean, anytime you get Ari Lennox and Summer Walker together, I, you know, I just want to hear those voices fuse. You know, you're, you're getting, you're, you're seeing like 
a few of like the biggest freshly rising stars in R&B kind of working together. It's it's not necessarily a record that is laden with features, but the features that she picks are really kind of high impact and really, you know, kind of speak to the moment that she's that she's in. I mean, there you know, so so I really love how much of just like one-on-one like visits with Ari Lennox's personality we get on this record but when she brings in other voices it still feels it's refreshing we got this email from Michael who says I just would like to express my love for modern R&B I've listened since I've been a freshman in high school and have seen many artists ebb and flow in around and out of the genre I love the variety of the spectrum of R&B and how easy it is for hip-hop artists to lean into the sound at times genre bending and splitting isn't everyone's favorite but that doesn't mean it's dead we'll be back with more of our conversation on Ari Lennox's new album and the state of R&B and join us for future conversations. Just download the 1A Vox Pop app and leave us a voicemail. Let's get back to the conversation with this message from Kimberly Hines. She's the editor-in-chief of SoulBounce.com. That's a blog that documents the past and present of soul and R&B music. Ari Lennox is the total package, and when it comes to R&B, she's playing the long game. Her albums, Shea Butter Baby and Age Sex Location, are her What's the 411 and My Life. They're her Baduism and Mama's Gun. And just like Mary J. Blige and Erica Badu, people will be talking about Ari Lennox 10, 20, 30 years from now. Thanks for that message, Kimberly. Naima, we talked about Ari's album, but I want to get more into what R&B sounds like today. Does contemporary R&B have a specific sound? Um, First of all, shout out to Kimberly. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to say yes and no. Like I said before, we, and I know that's a non-answer, but like I said before, <laughs> we are hearing some hearkenings back to the 90s and the neo-soul era. Um, one thing I think that's really interesting right now is that R&B is sampling music from the 90s and the early aughts. And you usually think of sampling as a hip-hop thing. But there are a lot of R&B songs currently that are sampling songs from 20, 30 years ago. But there also is a very wide tent for R&B now. It can go in several different directions. Um, so I, you see a little bit of everything. But And if you want something, you can probably find it. But what I'm happy about is that what we're hearing in kind of mainstream commercial R&B, which is what we're really talking about when we're talking about the viability of the genre, is a more kind of instrumental, soulful, you know, little bit funk-tinged, you know, um, retro sound with true lyricism and writing instead of something that's more just about the hook or just about the beat or just about it's it's a cohesive song. So I do think if nothing else, the trend is that we're moving back towards fuller musicality and the wholeness of the song rather than it just being about the the hook or the chorus. Stephen, when you think about R&B music over the past 20 or 30 years, how do you think it's changed sonically? Well, I think R&B is like a lot of genres right now in that you know, we're sitting here talking about genres, but I feel like more and more artists don't even think in terms of genre, right? Like, you're not necessarily... You see more and more artists that aren't just doing one thing. They're just willing to kind of pick from a grab bag of genres that, that 
you know, may not even seem fully cohesive at first. I hear more and more artists really kind of ping-ponging and, and, and just like reaching beyond just one thing. And you hear this in pop music as well, where, where a pop artist, you know, you hear a pop album and it might have traces of R&B, traces of, of hip-hop, traces of trap, traces of, you know, and you, you can just mix a lot of sounds together. And I think part of that is a product of how we consume music now. We don't necessarily just listen to a radio station that plays one kind of music. We go on YouTube and we follow rabbit holes, you know, where, wherever they may lead us. And I think more and more artists are influenced by a wider and wider and wider pool of music. And that's really exciting for me as a, as a listener, somebody who's been a music fan for I don't even want to think about how many years. <laughs> it's just it's just really exciting to hear musicians who aren't bound by genre, who aren't necessarily thinking in terms of like, I need to fit this one demographic. I need to make music for this one kind of person. I love, I love hearing R&B that incorporates bits of not only the great R&B of 20 and 30 years ago, but the great pop music, the great hip hop, the great soul, the great jazz. You know, you hear, you hear this, you hear jazz influences in Ari Lennox's record that are really, you know, that are really exciting for me to hear. And I, you know, I, I just feel like musician. I love, I just love what's going on in music right now, which is genre is falling apart and, and people are just making the sounds that please them. So, I mean, it, it's curious because I hear you saying, Stephen, you know, there's this fluidity in the way musicians are approaching genre. Naima also heard you say some artists rejected that R&B label, but there's still, there's still an R&B chart and some artists are still put forward as R&B artists. So how, what is the packaging, the marketing around who gets sold as an R&B artist and who doesn't? How is that working right now, Naima? So this is the challenge, right? Um, the music business operates on genres. Even if, as people try to proclaim we're post-genre, proclaim that genre bounds are, are, are torn down, anything that is sold to consumers has to fall under a um, subdivision. Like if you go to the grocery store, you know, they'll sell you, you can find such and such product on such and such aisle. It has a place where it belongs. Music is the same. Movies are the same. TV is the same. Like you have to be identified as something so that people know who to sell you to, right? Um, And that's, I think, always going to be a challenge in genre growth or evolution um, as we have one large group of listeners and consumers who are, you know, completely of the streaming era and who just kind of go with what they feel. And actually, I would argue, it's not even so much that we've gotten past genres. We actually have, like, even more micro-niche genres. Like, you can dial down to, like, this very, very specific thing you want to listen to and find it. But as long as there is terrestrial radio... And as long as there's any physical product being sold anywhere, and as long as, you know, TV has to sell to advertisers, they're still, they're still going to have to put artists in a place. Um, and those two things conflict with each other. Well, if you look at Billboard's top R&B song chart, Beyonce's newest album, Renaissance, features prominently on it. We also have seen Lizzo on that chart. Who's getting, who's getting sold as an R&B artist is it still a thing where it's like, oh, they're they're a black singer, they're a black artist. That's the chart they belong on. What do you think? Largely, um, the thing with Beyonce and Lizzo is, well, Beyonce specifically, you know, she broke into pop ages ago, and 
now she is regarded like her core demo i'm just gonna put it that way still sees her as an artist of all things but her crossover demo sees her as pop because she's just that big this is what happens a lot of times when black artists do manage to break into to the pop charts people stop regarding them as r&b even if r&b is part of their foundation um so that's also a challenge but yeah usually people say if you're black you can sing your r&b right um or if you're black and you sing but you don't really sing your 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 beats are kind of sped up you're kind of hip-hop you go in there somewhere and billboard actually combines those two charts it's a hot r&b and hip-hop chart which doesn't help but i think what is good right now is that for a while artists with very strong voices like a jasmine even if you're young, like in your 20s, Jasmine spent most of her 20s on an adult contemporary chart with much older artists because she had this full voice and because she had mid-tempos and ballads, etc. And I think that now there's more space for artists who are even young artists or newer artists or whatever you want to say um, to live outside of this kind of quote-unquote old people's chart. And and that's part of the change in perception. For a little while, R&B was considered old. And now we're back to recognizing that, no, R&B is, is a through line in all of our music. Now, in 2020, nine of the top 14 best-selling R&B albums were made by women. Stephen, what do you make of, of how our modern R&B is dominated by so many female artists? Well, I think that's part of what's so exciting about it. But, I mean, I think that's happening not only in R&B. I think that... There has been there there seems to have been a movement not only in R and B but in pop in in alternative music where a, a lot of the most exciting rock bands I'm hearing right now are are made up mostly of of women and non-binary artists. I, I think there's I think there's a push I think from the pub from the public to to hear more stories that they haven't already been told, um, to hear something that sounds fresh and 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 new, and you know it's 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 really jumped out. But I mean I think R and B in general has had such a strong string of years put together we could also you know we could also list a, a bunch of you know ri- rising male r&b singers we could talk about Giveon. we could talk about omar apollo we could i mean we could go on and on about just how many artists are making vibrant music in, in this space but I, it, it is it is really exciting to see how much of that music is made by young women who are really getting to you know tell their stories and really center their stories. I mean, that Jasmine Sullivan record from last year being a perfect example of that. That album is Hotels. That's H-E-A-U-X Tales, if you'd like to look it up. Mary J. Blige was asked about the so-called death of R&B on social media last month. Here's what she had to say. You can't kill R&B because it's yeah. in us. It's in the club music. It's in everything. And it's yeah. like, and that now it's in the call, they want to call it popular music, when Adele and Justin Timberlake get a hold to it. So now it's popular music, you know what I'm saying? But it's been popular music. We've been had it, you know? Naima, how do you respond to that, that the idea that white artists like Justin Timberlake or Adele making R&B music has has changed this historically Black genre? Oh, this argument is as old as commercial music, Um, literally. It it, um, goes back to the Everly Brothers, and, um, you know, it goes back to Unchained Melody. It goes back to Son of a Preacher Man. Like, you know, it, it, there's always been a soulful white artist somewhere. It goes back to Elvis. It goes back, you know, there's always been soulful artists. I mean, soulful white artists, or at least, you know, 
more soulful maybe than we expect. White artists who've been able to um, break ground with music that in a sound that black people were already doing and weren't able to gain the same ground with. Um, and, it, and it's true, you know, whether you want to first, I mean, this is a show in and of itself, but radio charts and, and, and radio genres started along the lines of segregation. So there's a reason why they would take the music from one artist and give them to a white, from a black artist, give them to a white artist because that white artist could play in clubs and be played on, you know, be on TV and be played in places where the black artist just simply couldn't. Um, but now in modern day, it still stands. So it is a struggle, I think, but, and, and it's also a struggle that in order to cross over, it feels like black artists have to actually distill some of that soul um, in order to appeal to a wider audience. But when white artists pick that same soul up, everybody is kind of fawning over them. But like I said, it's, it's an argument and it's a debate and it's a conversation as old as recorded music. But it is true. You know, um, we aren't allowed the same room also to move across genres because the voice is too much or we do too much or is too much on it or whatever have you. Um, but, you know, black artists aren't just R&B artists, but we do carry the soul and the funk and, and, the, and the rhythm and the blues with us into every other genre we touch. Well, let's go to one more message we got. I grew up in the 70s in a uh, black neighborhood in South Houston, and we were a Mexican family and had never heard of Motown until then. The music that set me off was the band called The Spinners. I went absolutely crazy for them when I was a kid, listening to every single song I could and catching them on the late shows like the Midnight Special. When the movie Guardians of the Galaxy came on, it featured the spinners, and I went right back and fell in love with them all over again. And now my kids listen to it, too. I'd love to hear more about each of your relationships to R&B as a genre and maybe who your favorite artist is. Like, my favorite of all time is Luther Vandross. It was the first concert I ever got to see when I was about 14 years old. Amazing experience watching him live. But, Stephen, what about for you? Do you have a favorite artist you find yourself returning to? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> this is always the hardest question to answer. Like, who's your favorite artist? You know, but just, just I, I an R&B. Just an R&B. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I, you know, I spend so much time just kind of immersed in whatever's new. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and often if somebody says, like, what's your favorite year for music? I will just say next year because <laughs> I'm, I'm just really, really excited about what's next. And so when we're talking about R&B, I'm just sitting here like, oh, my God, SZA, please let, let there be a new SZA record soon. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, we could we could just t- talk all day about just these these just the names of these artists and how, how, what it evokes and how, how exciting it is. But I mean, anything from, I I don't know, if you're talking about all time, my God, you know, you just get back to, oh, I don't know, Curtis Mayfield Mm. and Isaac Hayes and, you know, just these, these beautiful voices. And uh, I mean, I, I, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, you get um, where you have a hundred thoughts at once. And so you can't, get any of them to penetrate. (laughs) That's fair. Well, Naive, I want to give you a chance to chime in too before we wrap. Um, I'm the opposite of Steven. I'm always going back to the old. Um, My my R&B safe space is Luther Vandross. I go back to him over and over and over. Um, His voice, his arrangements, um, his collaborators, he's, he's magic for me. 
All right. Well, we left people with something to reach back to listen to. And you've got some new artists you can look forward to listening to. And again, check out our Twitter feed. We've dropped those Tiny Desk concerts from Jasmine Sullivan and Ari Lennox there for you to familiarize yourself with if you don't know who they are. We've been talking to Naima Cochran. She's a culture writer and her work has been featured in Essence, Box and Billboard. She's also a founding member of the Black Music Action Coalition. Also with us, Stephen Thompson. He's a host and reviewer from NPR Music. Naima, Stephen, thanks for joining us. Today's producer was Arfi Getty. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A.